good morning, everybody. It's uh, very good to see you here this morning. My name is Dave. Um, I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Church, Tucson. And, um, and just, uh, I wanted to, want to introduce myself. I've actually been out of the pulpit for the last couple weeks, um, which, is, which has been nice. Actually, we got some uh, time away in Pine Top, Arizona. And, um, but but I, I miss you guys. I miss, uh, miss being here. miss um, being able to preach. And... Um, also, if you're new, or you've never heard me preach before, or you forgot, um, I have a speaking impediment, so just want to give you a, a heads up on that, so you're not caught off guard, and uh, it has nothing to do with the fact that I worked all day outside um, yesterday, so, um, although that, that did have some effect on me, I'm sure. But, um, hey, it's, uh, um, we're going to get into it here pretty, pretty quickly. Um, we're in the Psalms, we've been in the Psalms throughout the whole summer, and, and um, our time uh, throughout this this, uh, this last couple months has been really rich and, and good, and um, you know, we, we always say even at the onset of the summer, we don't really know what is kind of in store throughout the summer. Um, you know, we have a pretty heavy, like, college student kind of feel during the year, but, but we're not a college church, right? We love our college students, but we um, want to live all of life all for Jesus alongside the kind of diverse reality of, of God and His people. So all that to say, and again, if you're new, or um, and you kind of look around and you're like, man, this is a young group, or I don't, I don't know if this is, you know, if I'm, if I'm in the right spot. You are. Okay, we're really, really glad you're here. We're going to, um, again, want to get to know you um, at the very end of, the, of, the, of our service. I'll be up here and we'll ask you to come up and introduce yourself. And, um, and, and, and we're going to get into it here pretty quickly, okay? Because um, I picked a good week to be back. My first week back is Psalm 51, and it is packed. Like, I'm excited for it. I'm really excited to get into it together. And um, also, you guys might have, gotten, might have forgotten that sometimes when, in a, especially in a, in, a, in a passage like this, I can hunker down, maybe take my time, if you will. And so um, I, I'm going to give you a little warning on the front end. Okay, hopefully, um, I'm going I'm to move quickly, which is hard for a guy with speech and Okay, so extend some extra grace to me in that. But um, I'm, as I said, really excited. So if you have a Bible with you or an app or um, whatever it is that you use uh, to, to read God's Word, go ahead and turn with me to Psalm 51. Um, and I sometimes say that there's no shame in turning to the front or the concordance and looking at the uh, table of contents and saying, where is Psalms? It's kind of right in the middle and it has a silent P. Okay, it's um, P-S-A-L-M, and so we've been spending our summer there, and um, and so go ahead and turn there. If you don't have a Bible with you, go ahead and hold your hand up high and, and, and um, keep it up, and somebody will get you a Bible, and um, si quieres la Biblia en Español, levanta su mano y diga Español. Okay, um, we want to make sure everyone has a Bible, they can read and understand in their own language, and um, and again, we're going to get into it here pretty quickly, because there's a ton to cover, and um, also I will recognize, I don't know if you're kind of feeling it's warm in here, I don't know what the deal is with that, there's a little house there before we start, I don't know what that was all about, so... Um, some of you guys are getting that, getting on you, okay, get, get, get a fan going. Um, on that note, okay, hear me with this. Um, I'm going to call this amens during this time, okay? Um, what that means, amen, means yes, or I agree, or like I'm tracking with you, or, or may it be so is what it technically means. And so as we're going, if you agree, like don't make it up, but if you're like, yeah, I'm tracking, and I will call for that and say amen, you can, you can, you can respond and say amen um, back, because this is so rich and so important that I, I want to make sure we get it, 
Okay, because what we're talking about today in Psalm um, Psalm 51, let me kind of set the landscape for where where we're headed. Is we're talking about repentance, right? And that might be one of those words that you've heard before that just kind of like thrown out around church, and you're like, repentance, yeah, repent. You know, repent and believe is is a command, but but but, but what does it mean? In short, here's here's what it means. Okay, repentance means turning away from sin and turning toward God. And, 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 that's, and, and that's a charge for everyone, for everyone in the world, because God created us to know Him, to depend on Him, to have our identity and our purpose and our relationships in every facet of our lives um, to be living in, in relationship and dependence upon Him. And yet, um, we, we said individually and corporately as humanity, no thanks, God. Um, I, I want to figure it out on my own. And so sin, that word sin, very simply put, means not God. It means, it means um, okay, God, you said you know what's best, you know who I am and, and how you made me to be, but I want to, I want to go my own way. Okay, so, so again, in, in essence, re, re, um, re, repentance means, 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 means turning from sin and turning toward God. And so the, the way we're going to break it down, I know that was up on the stage, you guys are looking, but uh, kind of, you know, spoke, spoiler alert is there. Is, here's where we're going to go. Okay, just kind of give you some, some handlebars. As we walk through this this morning, is this is that is that um, repentance means 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 returning to God. Again, we've all strayed and wandered. It means returning to God, and then and then repentance is being restored by God. And then finally, in that last chunk, we'll see that that, that that as we return to God, as we're restored by God, we're renewed for God. Alright, so that's where we're headed again. It's really important. Um, I pray that this sinks in deeply, whether you're new to this whole church thing and you're not sure what it means to have a relationship with God through Jesus. If that's like, I don't even know what that last sentence just meant. Um, or you've been in church a long time and, and you kind of know this stuff, but maybe it's, it's grown stale. Or, or maybe, you know, some of the words in the songs we've sung or some of those things, like, I, don't, I don't know if that's really where I am. My, my prayer is that God would break in and would, and would speak to us and would lead us to himself this morning. Amen? Amen. All right, good. Well, let me pray, and then we'll get into it. Lord, thank you for uh, this time together. Lord, thank you for this, this opportunity to be in your word. I pray that you will lead us. Um, I, I confess, I don't know what you have in store. I'm, um, I mean, I, I know this is rich and powerful and in some ways really hard and also... Um, incredibly good news, and, and I know that we're in different places here in this room, and so I pray that you would lead us, even give us kind of the ability to lean in and listen, and maybe even push through the, the sweat going down our foreheads, and, um, and Lord, to, to hear from you, because um, I, I believe wholeheartedly, um, brought almost to tears before coming up here during those songs that Lord, we're in bondage apart from you. That we can we can be deceived. We can we can lose focus and kind of think everything is good, but and then boom, we're smacked in the face with the reality of life lived apart from you, and, and we don't know what to do. We're floundering. And so I pray that you use this however you see fit, Lord, to 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 to, to help us, Lord, to call us to return to you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So um, we're going to get into it here in Psalm 51. We're going to get into the text. Um, in a moment, okay, we're getting there, we're going to hunker down, in fact, the way we go about this is we're mostly going to walk through kind of verse by verse, and just see, you know, here's what it says, here's what it means, and we're going to walk through this, but first I want to set the stage for us, 
so that we understand like where where we're going and we understand what's being said because the context is incredibly important. In fact, most of your um, most of your Bibles, if you look, there's 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 a heading that says to the choir master, a psalm of David. Um, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. And so it's important enough. Most of these psalms, even if you look over, don't have a heading, don't really set the tone for where the context is, but it's so important here that we understand what's going on and what, what's kind of behind and fueling these words that it's there. So um, just to be clear what that means when it says um, when he had gone into Bathsheba, that means that he had, um, had sex with her. Okay, other times in scripture it says like lay with or new, and that's what it's um, talking about. So here's here's just a backdrop. And this is mostly found in um, second second uh, Samuel verse or chapters eleven and twelve is really where you see this. I, I it could take half the time to walk through it. Um, and I encourage you to go there and to re- read that stuff and then to walk through this. But in short, here's what it is. Okay, we have this man David who who this is a poem or a song that we read and if you're if you're tempted to have your eyes kind of glossed over be like poetry or songs or I don't get that. Like, this guy was a man's man. He was a warrior king. He, um, before he became a king, he was a shepherd. And he, like, fought off animals with his bare hands. He killed a giant with a slingshot. He, um, and he was a man that God, God honed in on. And, and he's called a man after God's own heart. And, and yet, we're told there in 2 Samuel um, chapter 11, that this is a time when kings would go out to battle with their armies, with their military. And how much more would, would the king of God's people, um, the foreshadowing of what a king, a kingdom and a king should look like, how much more should that king go out and like fight with his people? But we're told that David had 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 strayed and had wandered and gone through kind of a slow um, regression. Like, yeah, maybe that's not for me. Maybe, maybe kingship just looks like kind of being all about me. And so he's hanging out. One afternoon or, or likely evening, it says it was late in the day, and he, and he kind of woke up, so he's sleeping in, and he looks out, and he sees a woman taking a bath, and he, he looks at her, and he's compelled, he's drawn in, he says, I gotta have her, right, if you've ever walked through any kind of temptation or any kind of addiction, like, he's, everything in his bones is like, crying out, like, I gotta do this, I gotta act on this, and, and, and he says, hey, who is that woman, and, and his, and his counselors say, that's Bathsheba, um, a married woman, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, one of your men who's out fighting for you right now, that's who she is, and they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, cool, hey, um, have her come up here to me, I, I need to know her, I need to sleep with her, and so she does, and to be clear, um, she doesn't have a choice in it. I don't know what, how I would fully phrase it. I don't want to go outside of what the scripture says, but we know when I'm here, she doesn't have a choice, all right? The king calls, you come, or you lose your life. And so she comes, and he lays with her, he has sex with her, and then um, you got to believe, like, right after. He's like, he's kind of gone there, he's entered in again. If you've been in this place, wherever you are, it's like right after his life. Oh man, I gotta do something about this. I just, man, I, I just wandered away. I gotta get right here. And so, and so he 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 sends her away, and um, and then she calls him and says, "I'm pregnant with your child." And he's like, "Oh my goodness, what am I gonna do about this? How do I get out of this predicament?" I know. Um, hey, I have an idea. Call her husband back 
And um, he's gonna he's gonna come back, and of course, like any husband who's been out, no shower, just with a bunch of stinky men fighting a war, he's gonna come back and he's gonna get cleaned up and sleep with his wife, and then he won't notice that the child looks like the king, and you know looks like David. He was kind of overlooked that fact. The great idea, right? And just momentarily, kind of like does, sin does that. Hey, when we walk away from God and we enter into this place, it's like, hey, we get frantic and like, I gotta get right, I gotta, I gotta get, I gotta get myself in order, I gotta make my world a right and ordered and structured the way I think it ought to be. We make stupid decisions like that. Like, no one's gonna notice that this child doesn't look like its father, his or her father. And so, and so um, he comes back, and I think in God's providence. Uh, Uriah doesn't sleep with his wife. And this whole progression goes, and basically Uriah won't. And so David says, all right, like, let's have him killed. Like, not have somebody shoot him or whatever, but we're going to put him on the front lines, and, and, and then we're going to have everybody pull back. And he's going to be left out there. And we're told in that account that, that numerous people die, not just Uriah. As sin always has an effect. Again, sin, not God. My way, not not God's design. What I want. Okay, keep that in your mind. Don't don't grow inoculated to the the term sin. It's 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 the way I think things ought to go momentarily and the whole life purpose and direction. And so and so Uriah dies, and David thinks his hands are clean. He's like, oh man, dodge the bullet there. You know, dodge an error there because this is a thousand BC. But um, you know, it's like man, dodge that. I'm, good now. I'm, I'm in the clear. And then he's so, like, again like sin does, he's so foolish to think, like, man, I got this. I guess I guess I'm good. Then this prophet, Nathan, we're told, called him, goes before him. and goes before the king. And he says, hey, I have a story for you, and I need to hear your, your, your judgment on this situation. In short, he basically indicts David. And again, David's so blinded by his own way of going about life. He doesn't even notice it. And so Nathan tells a story about a man that had a sheep, only one sheep, and then this other man who had all the sheep at his disposal. Okay, Uriah had one wife, David had many wives and women at his disposal, and yet, and then he says, Yet this selfish man just pushed through all the stop signs and, 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 and had to have life his way. And so he called, and, and he basically tells the story. And David lived, he like stands up and he's like, Bring this guy here, he needs to be judged. This guy has sinned. He has done a terrible thing. Who is this wicked man? And Nathan says, you're the man. You're, you're the one who has committed this. And in that moment, his eyes are open. His heart is softened. And he's brought to a place. Aware of his own sin and considering, what am I going to do with this? And it's not always the case when God calls us out when God sends someone a sermon or a time in his word or whatever it might be. He'll use all kinds of different things to, to draw us, to bring us to a place of repentance. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it's like over our heads. We're like, okay, cool. Hey, well, that's your opinion. Or, or we kind of pretend for a while. But thankfully, in this moment, we get to look at a, a time where someone has their sin like smacked in their face and they respond through repentance. David David repents and turns to God, and now he walks through that process. And um, and and my guess is, like many of us in here today, he knew the science of repentance. 
Okay, he knew the he knew the church answers. Okay, he knew like, oh yeah, you sin, you turn away from God, and you you know pray this prayer, prayer and you kind of and you go to church, you spend some time, you know, you you every night I'm going to read my Bible and do my things. My guess is after David did this, and even as he was walking through trying to cover it up, he was kind of going through the motions. He knew the science, but in this moment, he's hit with the reality, the flesh and blood implications of what it means to turn away from sin and turn back to God. And so that's where we see as we enter into this time of looking what it looks like to turn from sin and turn toward God and to return to God, to be restored by God, to be renewed for God. Okay, so with that, we dive in. Being uh, in a place where we return to God, verse 1, let's read have mercy on me, O God. This is David. Okay? This is his response to his sin being smacked in his face. And he gets it. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. He begins as Stephen said, as we entered into our kind of corporate world worship, he said that we start with God. In the same sense, when we, re when we repent, you start with God in His character, and He knows that in the story of God, that, that God created us, as I said earlier, right, to know Him, to depend on Him. And though we all said, like we're told in Isaiah, all like sheep have gone astray, each one did His own way. We're all like, thanks for no thanks, God. We all turn our backs on God, and yet God made promises beginning in the very, in Genesis 3, right when sin entered into the world, God said, I'm not going to leave you there. Because of my, 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 my character, I'm full of mercy and patience. And, and endurance and long-suffering. And David, though he doesn't know how all that looks or unfolds, he clings to that promise. So repentance always begins with knowing the character and the purposes of God. God, you said, you said you're merciful. So I'm going to hold on to that. According to your steadfast love, um, Lord, have mercy on me. He calls out, he pleads me. And then he says, blot out my transgressions. And this is a this is a picture going 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 forward of um, of saying God that take care of it completely, right? When you see sin, right? Again, sin like I want to I want to maybe peel back the scab. Okay, I've used that injury before. We kind of we grow numb to some of these things, and we and we're like, yeah, I messed up, I slipped up, and we talk about sin in cutesy little terms. And sometimes we need to rip the scab back in order for for the right healing to take place. And, and that's what's happening here. And so he says, man, my, my sin and my transgressions need to be taken care of. Like, wash me up. When, when you get your desperate state of living apart from, apart from God, of choosing sin, of choosing not God, there's, it's not like this comfortable, clean, just nice, pretty moment. Like this, he's like, I am saturated in the filth that I have put on myself. God, free me from that. Cleanse me from that. Get, get it off me. He says, my sin is ever before me, verse 3. There's a, there's a healthy sense of like, I'm aware. Okay, too often we help each other or we help ourselves just stir right past our sin. But he says, it's before me. I, I, I am so aware of how I have chosen to live my life apart from you. And then in verse 4, it says something really, really interesting. 
He says, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Again, he owns up to it, I sinned. Right? Do you call sin sin in your, in your own life, in your own heart? Do you, whatever it might be. Or, or do we use, like, churchy words? Do we clean it up? Man, I stumbled. I, I, I did what I wasn't supposed to do. I'm not, we, we, we use these kind of phrases and we, and we skirt around it. But David has seen so clearly his desperate state apart from God. He says, I have sinned. But then he goes on and he says, against you and you only. How have I sinned? And I've done what's evil in your sight. How can he say that? Well, author and uh, pastor Tim Keller, um, who has a great little commentary, kind of devotional through the Psalms, he says this to explain that. Against you, you only have I sinned. How can he, David, say that when he has killed someone? It is because sin is like treason. If you try to overthrow your own country, you may harm or cure or kill individuals in the process. But you will be tried for treason because you have betrayed the entire country that nurtured you. So every sin is cosmic treason. It is overthrowing the rule of the one to whom you owe everything. All sin. Okay, there's no little white line. Well, nobody got hurt, right? Like, we only think in big, broad strokes. Like, sin is the biggies, right? It's, it's this and that. No, they were, he says, all sin. He says, I have sinned against you and you alone. Because all sin is essentially treason for God. It's giving God the middle finger. And saying, again, my identity, my purposes, your plans for me, your, your, your creative design for how I'm to live and function. Forget that. Whatever it is, in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions, it's turning away from God, and it's an assault on Him. It's, it's, it's treason, and He spells it out there so clearly. But then look what He does with it. Hey, here, hey, lead in here. What does He do with that? In the second part of verse 4, He says, So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. He, he doesn't vindicate Himself. How often when we have turned away from God and, and we're aware of it, when our sin becomes known to us, how often do we say, man, well, I mean, you don't know what I was going through. Even in the beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned, when sin first came into the world and God, God called Adam to give an account, and he said, you know, Adam, what is this? And you did, did you eat of the tree that I told you not to eat? Because, and kind of insert in the context, because I love you and I know what's good for you and what's not good for you, and did you... Did you not trust me? Did you not know my character? Did you turn away from me? That's kind of the context of God pursuing Adam and saying, what, have you sinned? Have you chosen life apart from me? And Adam instantly says, well, God, um, the woman, you know, that you gave me, he vindicates himself. And yet David here doesn't do that. If anything, not that God needs vindicating, he vindicates God. He's so aware of our sin. I pray that we would be so aware of the reality of our sin that we would come to a place where we would say, man, I'm desperate apart from you. I, have, I deserve whatever kind of judgment you want to you dish out, Lord. I, I, this place I'm in, whatever it might have, the impact, the consequences of these sins, I, I have sinned against you and you alone. And in your, in your judgment, whatever it might be, makes sense. I deserve it. And then he goes on just to hit on this in verse 5. He says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother did my mother conceive me. He's not like throwing his mom under the bus here. He's not like, my mom, 
she was crazy in her young age, and you know, she was out at the bars, and she conceived me that way, and hey, that's, you know, that's, and some of us, that is our story, you know, um, but what David, this is important here, because he's not, he's not going there, that's not the point of it, as he's reflecting, right, on his own repentance, he's acknowledging, I'm a sinner, by nature. Like, I, I choose. He's clearly chosen, right, to sin and turn away from God. He slept with the married woman. He did all this stuff. But he's saying, it's in me. I don't have the capacity or the power to overcome this or to choose otherwise because I'm, I'm sinful by nature. Right? The, the kind of theological term for this is total depravity. It's that all of us, from the very beginning, are born with a, with a natural disdain for God and a natural disposition to say, I want other than how God created him to be. And, and that's what this is. And so David's acknowledging that's that's where I'm at. That's who I am. And and, and then and then he goes on and he, and he says, Behold, you just you delight in truth and in, in, in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. And, and, and so he's 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 remembering that man, I'm 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 helpless apart from you. Though you love me, though you create me, though you pursue me, I walk away from you. And yet, what a beautiful picture of authentic, real returning to God. Repentance. Acknowledging, I have chosen other than you. I have offended you. And you can, he is in such an, a, a desperate and real state. He's not churching it up. He's not saying what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You know, boys will be boys. Well, you don't know what kind of background I came from. You don't want, whatever it might be, he's just owning it as he needs to. He's in that place where he returns and says, God, it's about you right now. It's about your character. And I've turned away from you. And then we see that we return to God. And God doesn't just leave us there. But God calls us to himself in order to restore us. Amen. You guys trying to hear where we're at here? So David returns to God in order to be restored. And this, 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 this section, verses 9 through 12, is packed rich with the good news. Okay? So, and some of it's hard. right? It's hard good news. So let's lean in and see. As David is restored by God in verse 9, Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Again, he's calling out for God to do something that God doesn't have to do. Remember earlier, and he's not vindicating himself. He's saying, but when he's saying, God, somehow because of your character, hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. Create a clean heart in me, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And then earlier in verse 7 and verse 8, he goes on and he's talking about, I need to be cleansed. I, I need this, God. I need to be, I need to be restored. And he says, let, let me hear joy and gladness with the bones that you have broken rejoice. So let me walk through what's going on there. Because verse 7 and verse 10, okay, if you're tracking this a little bit intenser, but verse 7 and verse 10 are connected, and then verse 8 and verse 12 are connected here. And so what you have in verse 7, and then again fleshed out more clearly in verse 10 is this. David is saying, I need to be clean. I need to be, I need to be made whiter than snow. That's not who I am. I'm in this desperate state. I've returned to you, but man, my sin is all over me and all in me. And that's where you see it in verse 10. Create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. What he's saying is, I, I need a new heart. Come on. I don't just need a little help over this hump. Come on, someone. Am I alone in this? 
Is that is that your your tendency as you walk through your your, your returning to, to God? As you as you're faced with your own sin, are, are you at this desperate place where you recognize you have to be at this place to say, "Man, it's a heart issue here." I don't just need to get me a little bit further. I don't just need, like, I need a little bit of Jesus. I need a, a little bit of church. I need a little bit of the Bible, and then I'm, I'll take it from here. Then I'm good. I'm solid. Right? I got it from there, but just give me pastor. He's like, no, I need total restoration. I need a heart change. Amen. And if you're here today, I, I want to tell you that the good news is preceded by really hard news. Showing up there in verse 8. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. And then down in verse 12, I'll just jump ahead to there to kind of tie it together. He says, Retore, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with the willing spirit. The bones that you have broken, let them rejoice. Rejoicing and being broken doesn't usually go together, right? Like you guys, we guys know my story. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, I have a broken bone that is healing. Um, I still can't shake hands. It's the one thing. So my, my humbling effect continues that I still have to explain it. I don't, well, I punched a wall two months ago out of anger, and two days after I got to preach here with his fat hand and was broken and got to confess it, and, 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 and we got to walk through it. We, we need Jesus and not to surpass our sin, and, and, and yet I know a little something about broken bones. And, 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 and what happens when we break something and something is broken, if not healed correctly, it has to be rebroken. And, and, and similarly in this, in this place, David is acknowledging that I pray every one of us in this room would acknowledge that in order for us to be healed, in order for us to be made right, we need to be broken to the place where we recognize, God, you're it. Against you and you alone I have sinned. You're my only hope. God, I need to be clean. Again, if you're in a, if you're here today, I know there are those of you who are here today who, who are not Christian or you wouldn't identify the way you're saying, I'm still trying to figure this whole thing out and I'm really, really glad you're here. And then others who have said, yeah, I'm a Christian, I've identified with that, but have, have grown stale or have grown to a, a place where you've become inoculated to the good news of Jesus. Okay, are you tracking with me on that? It's where his good news is, fails to be the good news that it ought to be and we're kind of just going like, yeah, it's good, you know, but again, I just need to have a quick fight. I need to do this. I need, you know, God will help me, you know. I don't know, some ridiculous bumper sticker phrase or whatever it is. It's like, yeah, just get on with this. And it's like, no, no, no. You're, you're in a desperate state and I will tell you, man, if I meet with you and I'm praying with you and some of you have even experienced this in past time. Afraid to have you broken? Um, sometimes I pray that for myself. I should more, but it's a scary prayer. Okay, so let's actually agree together. Maybe we can pray for each other to be broken. Okay, because we're going to pray for ourselves less often. But seriously, like um, one man once said, you know, um, Jesus saves from the American dream. I'm not going to get into that too much, but the, the main principle is this: like we, we're all about keeping it straight, like keeping our ducks in a row, keeping this, keep on keeping on, you know, keep keep going, keep all our ducks in a row. I've drifted a little bit, so I just need a little anecdote, a little shot of the gospel to get me back, and that's not that's not repentance. That's that doesn't acknowledge the desperate state that you're in. So so if you and I are in a place where we're not acknowledging that, my prayer. Is that because God loves us so much that He break us, that He reveal our desperate state 
apart from Him. So Father, pray that you'll be broken, not just what's behind you. But He goes on and He says, Give me a new heart, God. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. And He doesn't know what you and I know today. He knows God's character. He knows God has promised to restore His people. He knows that God is faithful and just to forgive. He, he knows these things, but He doesn't know how until looking ahead in the New Testament. Places like Colossians chapter 2 and Galatians chapter 3 and Romans chapter 3 that, that, that talks about we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God and yet, and yet God has justified those that He's called to Himself through faith in Jesus and His Word is a propitiation for our sins. Or in Colossians 2, you see very clearly there that again, looking at the cross, like look at it with me right now, that through that, it's not just a necklace. It's not just a sign to symbol. At that point, what it, what it meant is, 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 is the wrath of God being poured out on Jesus, God the Son. So that, so that by God pouring out His wrath and Jesus experiencing what you and I deserve. Remember back earlier when David said, whatever your judgment, I deserve it. When Jesus said, yeah, yeah, they deserve it. But because they're my people, because I'm pursuing them, because I love him and her. Because God loves you, Jesus said, I'm going to take that penalty. And Jesus hung on the cross and he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your back on me? I can't take this intimacy that, that I have with the Father, Jesus, God the Son, eternally God, and God the Father. I mean, imagine none of us in this room knows that level of intimacy. And yet Jesus experienced the brokenness of that intimacy. As one man said in a, in a prayer, he said that God is able to turn his face away from your and my sin because on the cross he turned his face away from Jesus. Man, amen. Come on. That, guys, I'm telling you, that's the only good news that you can hear. That's, we're never going to be a, a, a do these things and your life will get back in order. The good news of Jesus is that God loves you and delights in you. And he washes you clean. He gives you a new heart. He blots out your transgressions. He makes you whiter than snow. He creates a clean heart in you because of Jesus. And when he goes on to say... Lord, cast me not away from your presence, verse 11. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He, he's, he's acknowledging that would be the worst. I, I can't fathom life in that place. In that moment of sin, aware of desperate state, returning to God in order to be restored by God, he recognizes, Lord, life is found in you. In your presence. Lord, in, in, in relationship with you is where, verse 12, is where joy is found. And just quickly, verse 11 there. Um, we don't believe at all that you can lose your salvation. I just want to be clear with that. Um, this is a, you know, for a reformed church, we believe that, that, uh, that, that God will. And we believe that the scriptures in John, John chapter 10 and um, in, 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 in all throughout and constantly is in, in, in Hebrews when Jesus says I'll never leave you nor forsake you we believe that like that's, that's true we can take him at his word in John 10 when Jesus says none of those who have been entrusted to my hand can be snatched 
Okay, that means that we can't snatch ourselves from his hand. And he says, I will pursue you. And so, hear me, okay, hear me on this. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're wondering, what does this whole thing look like? Do I have to do all the right things? You know, do I have to get my, my life in order? Do I have to just kind of keep it all my guts and roll or else God's like Santa Claus up there? He's got a naughty list and a nice list. And he's like, don't, don't, don't turn away from me. Don't sin. Don't do that. I'm waiting. I'm going to zap you or I'm going to, I'm going to withdraw from you. That, that's not it at all. He's, he's, he's lovingly um, pursuing his people. And he, and he says, you're safe and you're, you're, you're protected. And, and, and so um, this, this doesn't mean, man, I'm all over the now because I'm fired up, guys. I, I want, um, here's what this means. If your view of Christianity, again, if you're new to this whole deal and you're expecting it or you've been in it for a long time, our, our tendency is to go to a place where we think of, man, um, i got to do all the right things. There's a, there's a checklist that i got to hit. And God's delight in me and His favor and His acceptance is really contingent upon how I'm doing right now. And that doesn't lead to a place in verse 12 says where there's joy and salvation. That's smothering. That's exhausting. I've used this because I think it's it's sticky. Pardon me in advance if it's crass, but we get to a place in Christianity where we say, "I should do this. I should do that. I should be better." Right? Our sin, we're aware of it. Like David, big, small, whatever your definition of your own sin in your life, and it's in our face. And we say, "Oh, I know what. I should be better. I should go to church. I should read my Bible. All good things." But 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 that's the gospel doesn't say do what you should do, and then your God will accept you. That doesn't result in joy. And the craft Christ says we should all over ourselves. And, and that's sticky, all right? That will stick with you, and I hope it does. Because we, we um, man, that's somebody, that's your perspective on Christianity. That's where you're like, I don't know if I want to do this whole thing. Or you are a Christian, you've been walking with Jesus, and that's how you've gone about it. You're like, man, this weight is on me. I don't know that I can keep it up. But man, that weight's not from God. But let me encourage you with that. In this last section, we'll reveal that. Man, it's about joy. God, God created you. Then go back to the beginning so that you will flourish. Hear me. Look at me. If you're, if you're considering walking, if you're considering repenting, turning from sin and turning to God, wherever you're at, it's, it's about joy. It's about flourishing and thriving as the one who loves you enough to send his son to the cross to restore you to the, the, the fruitful and joy-filled life that he has designed you for. It's not a bunch of shoulds and do's and don'ts. Return to God in order to be restored by God through his undeserved favor, his grace, by placing your faith in Jesus and trusting that what he went through on the cross and then what he accomplished when he rose from the dead was to restore us fully. Yeah, that's good news, amen. amen. And lastly, in this last section, I'm going to kind of hustle through. Verses 13 through 19 is, is that God renews us for himself. Return to God in order to be restored by God and then to be renewed for God. So I talk about that list, those do's and don'ts, and God does care about obedience. He does care about how we live our lives, but it comes from a place of being restored by Him and then renewed for Him, and that's what David is talking about here as he gets into this, verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. And he goes on that whole section there in verses 
13 through, um, through, through 15, right? He's like, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. He's saying, I know, God, that you don't just do your work on me and leave me there. You don't just say, all right, you're forgiven. Go do what you want. Or, like, get out of my sight. You're annoying me. Just don't sin again. And then um, I don't want to see you again, right? It's not, it's not like a principle that, you know, dismissed you and said, this time you're not going to get a pattern but next time, maybe some of you guys are like, what? Some of you have never been in a principal's office. Some of you have never been paddled. All right? I was a naughty kid that lived in Arkansas, so I've had both. I've been paddled, and I spent a lot of time in a principal's office, and we, we, we carried that over. And yet, that's not joy. That's not a joyful response. But when you taste the good news of God's delight in you, and God accepting you, and God wiping the slate clean, and God saying, all your sins, past, present, and future, your whole life, is restored through Jesus. And when you taste that, you can do no other than to live a life that honors Him. And it says, I know that because of joy, out of that joy, I want to tell others. Out of that, I, I want to sing your praises. Out of that, I want to grow in my understanding of what it means to honor you by spending time in your word. I want to, I want to develop and flourish in my intimacy with you. I want to do the things, good things, that we can take and put on that should list. But, but, but starting with the renewed heart, starting with the delight in the one who has restored you, you want to live your life to honor him. You know that you've been restored for him and his purposes, for his glory and your joy, and from there the good of others. And he just he says a couple things there that might be confusing as he goes on. He says, verse 16, you will not delight in sacrifice, or I will give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. And that might, if you've ever read the Old Testament, you're like, that's confusing because there are places in like Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, that actually says God delights in burnt offerings and in the sacrifices of his people. Well, what this means, and this is massive, guys, as we close, is he's saying, um, like, God, you're not desperate. You don't need that stuff from me. You don't delight in that apart from a changed heart. And apart from a response to the good news of your undeserved faith of your grace. Okay, hear me. When we talk about sacrifice, when we talk about, here in a moment, when we do our response and we say, um, give of your tithes and offerings and, and, and respond to the good news of Jesus by, 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 by tithing and giving money or, or serving and sacrificing and, you know, die to self and, and, and give of yourself. Use your time and your finances and the gifts that you have for God's glory and the good of others. Like, give, sacrifice. Okay, so those things are there in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But, but, but down in verse 19, he says, then you delight in the right sacrifice. Right sacrifices are ones that are born out of a response. Saying, God, there's nothing I can do. There's no nothing I need to do. There's nothing to prove and nobody to impress. Because of what Jesus has accomplished, and because of who you say I am as your beloved son or daughter, worthy of restoring through the death and resurrection of Jesus. With a new heart, a changed heart from there in response to that stuff, you want to give your life away. You want to give for the, you want to live your life again for God's glory and good of others. You want to. Not in order to earn God's love, but out of a response for his secure and proven love. Amen? Amen. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And that last verse I want to hit on 
It acknowledges the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. Man, this is good news, right? Let's, let's get into this. But there's the words of a broken heart and a contrite spirit are there. Like usually, again, earlier, rejoicing and brokenness doesn't go hand in hand. How does that fit together? Well, it does because the, the call of God on your life through faith in Jesus. We're not here to sell a quick fix plan or easy steps to, you know, whatever it might be. We're not here to, here to do that because the reality is, is we've been walking through the songs. Like this artwork here, I'm not very artistic of myself, but so on hold by those who created this. And then you see darkness and struggle and it almost looks like claws. And you see, you see the reality of the depths. A song that we just walked through, the, 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 the valley of the shadow of death. Or last week we talked about the lake where, where the psalmist called out, how long, how long? And you might be in that place. How long God, are you going to keep me here? How long am I going to be in this broken place? You've broken my bones. I don't see how that results in rejoicing. How long? And yet, yet the whole purpose of the psalms is God reveals his good character and says, come, come be near to me wherever you're at. If you're in a dark and struggling place, I'm taking you somewhere. There's good news. Trust my character. My character is proven. Okay, that's the whole deal. This whole thing is contingent upon. Like, look at the cross right now as we sing, as we respond. It all comes back to that. You can trust. You can be in that dark place right there. And you can know God's taking me somewhere. I don't know how. I don't get it. But man, he's proven it before. And I'm going to cling to that. So, so your options are this. All of us right now, as we prepare to respond, it's this. We could go one way and start to grow numb to sin. We could start to get used to it and say, that's life. We could start to say, hey, I slipped up a little bit. I've, I've done this and that. I'm going to sleep. I just need a little help. I just need to go back. You can go that way and I can tell you how that ends. Eventually, you just grow accustomed to it. You just say, that's life. You just say, hey, I know it's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. Man, it'll be pleasurable for a moment. Or, you know, and you just get used to it. You get used to sin to life apart from God. Or, you turn away from sin and you turn toward God. In order to be restored and renewed, accepted, forgiven, delighted in. And there's going to be brokenness and rejoicing. Sometimes simultaneously. There's going to be a place where we individually look inward. And I, I pray that you're doing that right now. And you say, yes. Sin is, I'm aware of it. It's in my face. Either a Nathan, someone has shown you and put it there, or by God's grace, he's revealing it right now. Like, man, I'm a mess. How long is this going to be there? Like Paul says in Romans chapter 7, Oh, wretched man that I am, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. I'm addicted. I'm addicted to myself. I'm addicted to sin. I'm addicted to pleasure. I'm addicted to not God. Or the sins that have been committed to you, the sins that are around us, the brokenness, the world. We look and we see the, the, the tragedies going on in Turkey, in Iraq, in France, in Louisiana, in Minnesota, in Dallas. Man, how long God is sin going to continue? But here's where we are, guys. Here's where I want to bring us. As we prepare to respond to this God, to return to Him in repentance. It's both simultaneously saying, this is broken. I'm broken. I need to be even more broken sometimes. And yet there's good news. There's good news that's been proven already on the cross. There's good news that Jesus rose from the dead, said death will conquer you. And guess what? If you put your trust in me, you get to partake in that. 
You get to be a part of it too. And I'm planning a kingdom. I'm planning a party. In fact, I'm bringing it in right now. And as you follow me and you cling to me wherever you're at in that spectrum, if you're in the lowest low or the highest high, you get to be a part of it. And one day's coming. My character, my promises are proven. Remember, verse 1, and, and, and we see it on the cross. We can take God His word. And here's the promise. Jesus said, there will be a day. There will be a day when the sin in your own heart and the sin in the world around you, the sin in your relationships, the sin in your home, the sin in your work, the brokenness that you're so aware of will be dealt with and thrown away once and for all. Every tear will be wiped away. And Jesus says, I'm making it all new. Man, get ready. It's good. It's good. Return to God. Your faith in Jesus. If you're here today and it needs to be for the first time you put your faith in Jesus, repenting, getting a new heart, or it means, man, I need to be restored. I need to repent again. An ongoing life of, of returning to the one who loves you and who has proven his love for you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.